It is Way of the Warrior, Eric Hultgren, along with Ken Evans, covering everything in the world of mixed martial arts. Well, we're Today, covering we one are, thing. Uh, separated by <laughs> time and space. Yeah, we're covering one thing, but we are separated. <laughs> so if you hear anything, I'm actually in a hotel lobby in Owasso, Michigan, and uh, Ken is at the studios. Yeah, yeah, there's a waterfall by Eric. That's how good our connection is today. I'm like, are you trying to do this podcast from the restroom? <laughs> Which which I'm, I might think about doing next time. But we are talking, obviously, about UFC 229 and the fallout that we have thus far. Okay. Uh, and to set the stage, if you're one of the six people that people that wasn't paying attention, Khabib Nurmagomedov ran through Conor McGregor on Saturday night and then decided to fight everybody else in the arena, which leads us to right now. So uh, let's get to that in just a second. I think the first thing we want to do is look at the fight in and of itself. Was that a surprising fight to you, Eric? I think what surprised me was how off Connor's timing was, which is, of course, we knew could have been a thing because of ring rust. You know, if you look at that third round and even the overhand right that Khabib hits him with, uh, that's mostly a result striking-wise, I believe, of, you know, a lack of having that crispness in your timing. Um, Khabib being able to out-wrestle him, not much of a surprise. The fact that Connor doesn't have the gas tank to go five rounds like that, as no one else in the UFC seems to eat, have that gas tank either, not as surprising. I was surprised at his ability to kind of fend off some of the stuff, especially as it got closer to the cage. You know, what Khabib is great at is not takedowns in open space. So think the middle of the octagon. His game is at the edges, and Connor was able to negate some of that stuff. But make no bones about it. Whatever we're going to talk about for the next 40 minutes, Khabib's performance in that octagon literally was superb and fantastic, which is what makes this all the sadder, I think. Well, I, I think that it was kind of interesting that you bring up ring rust because it's one of those things that we talked about a little bit on last week's show, and you weren't thinking that was going to be much of a big deal. And, I, you know, I was, I was kind of right there with you, and, and to be fair, I did send Eric a text the day of. I said, I watched this Chow Sonnen interview. Chow was there doing an interview, and I forget who it was with, and he was doing an interview talking about this fight, and he says, guys, we've seen this fight. We saw this with Stipe and Ganu. We saw this with Till and Woodley. We've seen this fight a couple times. This guy that's a top world-class wrestler is going to go in there against the guy with the big guns and the big strikes, and he's going to go in and get locked in a cage with him, and he's going to beat him. We've seen this fight already. He didn't go so far as to call the fight necessarily for Khabib, but he seemed pretty sure. I remember immediately after I watched it, I go, man, I don't know. Chow Sonnen's doing this. I might have to send Eric a text here and say, what do you think about this? And Eric, you had a smart remark about Anderson Silva. So that really wasn't what I was looking for. But regardless, uh, I thought it was a very interesting dynamic to kind of think about going in. <laughs> and then when you actually started to see the fight, I'm like, holy crap. I think Chow was right here. Not only was Chow right about the wrestling, but the timing was off. I think there were opportunities in there. And if anybody listened to John Cavanaugh's interview with Joe Rogan on Monday after the fight, then John recognized there were times in there that, you know, he just couldn't get off because there's ring rust. There's only so much you can do in the cage that's in a gym. You've got to actually get in there and do a fight. And they tried to do fights. They try to have fight days and fight weeks during the training camp, but nothing is going to replace actually getting in there with that dude. And when that dude is Khabib Nurmagomedov, that's a tough thing to replicate anyways, let alone with a fighter who's been out of the cage for two-something years. And the results of it speak for itself. Now, that said, I, I don't know that there are very many people in and around that weight class that can hang with Khabib even if they fought six times a year. 
Do you think it's a situation, Eric, where if you were Conor McGregor, and I know this isn't going to happen, and, and, and John Kavanaugh said the same thing yesterday. If you were Conor McGregor, though, where's your tune-up fight, man? I know you're in this for all the marbles, but, I mean, uh, Joe Rogan made a really good point yesterday, and if you haven't seen the John Kavanaugh interview, I would suggest you do that. Uh, you can jump ahead like an hour in the freaking podcast, though, because they talk about glycogens for an hour with uh, one of the weight guys. So you can skip <laughs> past the glycogen talk to about an hour five of that podcast. But it was very interesting to see Joe Rogan and John Kavanaugh talk about this, and they're both basically on the same page. John Kavanaugh's like, I would love a tune-up fight. I would love a fight like, I don't know, Dustin Poirier or something like that. And I know Dustin Poirier is not really anybody's tune-up fight, but for a guy like Conor McGregor, that's a much more manageable fight. Basically, every time Conor fights now, he's fighting against killers, and it's a tough situation if you're his trainer and you're trying to put him back in the cage after two years. I think it would do Conor a world of good if depending on how suspensions go and how everything goes, and we'll talk about his part in the whole post-fight melee in minutes, I think it would do Connor a world of good to take a fight, not against necessarily Nate Diaz, not against a guy like Khabib Nurmagomedov, not against Tyrone Woodley, whatever the rumors are, is to just to take a solid fight at 155, get back in there, get his timing down, and get back in the cage in three months and do this on a regular basis before he goes back in there against a world killer that's Khabib Nurmagomedov. And I would love to see that because, of course, all the texts and tweets and snaps I've gotten in the last 48 hours are like, I've never seen a man get paid so much to lose because the casual fan sees Nate Diaz one, sees Floyd one, sees Khabib Connor one, and he loses all three of those and makes a trillion dollars. So I would agree with you. I, I agree with Kavanaugh that we're not going to see that. But I think for the sake of him, he needs to get a W before he does any of that stuff. Any of what you said, Khabib 2, Nate Diaz, GSP, Woodley, he's got to get back on the horse in a way that makes people interested again in what he can do. Because this last fight was a drubbing. I mean, there was... He won one round. Now, you can take that away and you can go, Khabib had never lost a round till Saturday night, and that's something you can hang your hat on and build off of. However, most people saw a man get manhandled for three and a half rounds and they get choked out by not a rear naked choke, but a neck crank. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that comes from guys, if you've never wrestled at that level, um, Khabib sucks your soul out and you have nothing left. And when a fighter turn, I don't care who you are, when you see that fighter give up their back, that's what they're doing. They want to get out. And that's what he did. Yeah, and that's an interesting situation, too, because it, it, a lot of guys are going, oh, man, he shouldn't have tapped to that. It's just a crank. It's a crank after three rounds of hell, essentially, for Conor McGregor. And, yeah, he won one of those rounds. Yep. And I would be very interested to see Conor that's able to kind of get a real camp in. And he, I'm sorry, he got a real camp in, but get a real camp in in between fights at this point. Kind of, like you said, get back on that horse, get some momentum going as far as, okay, train, fight, train, fight, train, fight. I would like to see that Conor McGregor because John – Kavanaugh made some really good points uh, when talking to Joe Rogan yesterday. And one of those things that he talked about was the fact that, you know what, we won round three. And that was kind of our plan. Just didn't seem like maybe the gas tank was there. He was a little more smothering in instances. We didn't necessarily go out to win. I had forgotten about this, but we talked about it on the podcast back after the Al Iaquinta fight, is that after the third round, Khabib didn't land any takedowns. And John Kavanaugh saw that and goes, look, guys, 
he might have a great gas tank, but he gets tired too. And that's when we can really take advantage. So I think, you know, this is an interesting dynamic where I think the game plan, John Cavanaugh, was pretty good. I think he recognized the fact that, hey, maybe I was a little too defensive, a little too worried about some of these takedowns and taking, you know, losses rather than letting my guy go do what he's best at. But I also think he's right that if he can keep Connor from throwing bad shots and tiring himself out and not expending too much energy on the ground that, you know, this is a fight where you can grind it out with a dude. Not necessarily how you would usually set up a fight if it's striker versus wrestler, but if you look back at that fight again, and I, I rewatched a little bit of it after I watched the podcast yesterday with Joe Rogan, he's right. Khabib did not look the same three, four, and five. He was dominant. He definitely beat Al Iaquinta, but I mean, if that's a situation where you go, he's going to give us more holes, guys. He's going to give us more holes. And as far as that game plan, John Cavanaugh was right. He got the holes in those first couple rounds, but I really think you got to look at this more and more like, look, I get it's Conor McGregor. He's a freak of nature, but he was out of the cage two years. We've seen other freaks of nature like John Jones, who've been out of the cage for different reasons for a long time, not look the same in that first fight back. You got to give somebody time back on that horse, and he definitely didn't have that time, Eric. He did not, and the other thing interesting to take away from that fight is you watch in the later rounds, the front kick was super successful, and at no point did Khabib really commit to doing a single in open space, so meaning Connor throws the front kick, goes after the back kick to do a, you know, a single leg takedown or anything like that. So when you can keep him in open space, keep him in the middle and that ring generalship that we talk about, you could do something like power him down, but because they weren't able to implement their game plan. They weren't really able to get Khabib as tired as they needed him to be. And you saw what happened in round four. Yeah, and round four was definitely an ugly round. I mean, that obviously led to the tap. Uh, a lot of guys going, I wouldn't tap to that. Well, yeah, you get in the cage for three rounds, let that happen, you see what happens. Right. Uh, a lot of couch warriors on the internet. What happened, though, after the fight? There's a lot of history here, and I kind of want to reset just a bit, Eric, because there's one big missing piece. You know what I'm going to talk about here. And yep. everybody's talking about the bus. Let's remember the reason the bus happened. And we didn't know the reason the bus happened when the bus happened. So I think that's why a lot of people forget. We didn't know the motivation there at the time. We found out later because videos coming out and fighters who had talked about the situation came out. Um, Connor's training partner and a really good friend of his, Artem Lobov, right? Correct. He was the guy who was actually, you know, I, as some people are saying bullying, and I think it's... I think it's the right term. It's kind of weird to talk about a UFC fighter getting bullied, but he was essentially bullied and assaulted by Khabib and his teammates in the official UFC fighter hotel, which I feel like is a very uh, interesting dynamic in this whole situation. That's somewhere where fighters should be feel free to be safe, if that makes a lot of sense, uh, because they're there under the UFC's auspices. They're there for UFC 223 going back to what precipitated that bus incident. Now, I'm not trying to get into a game of who started what, but let's not forget that the bus thing happened because of that happening. And I talked about this a couple of months ago on the podcast. I was really worried in this situation. Look, man, we got this bus thing that happened. You had this thing that happened before that precipitated it, and there's not going to be any real sanctions, no real punishment. Yeah, it cost Connor a lot of money. You know, Dana's, Dana's said that this cost him millions of dollars. 
I don't know if I believe that. I do believe it cost them a lot of money to basically make this thing go away and be done with as far as all the fighters and the New York prosecutors were concerned. But let's remember, no real consequences. And my worry at the time was like, okay, you got this bus thing. You got Connor chucking cans into the crowd. You got Connor jumping into cages in Bellator. Man, if there's no consequences here, God knows what Connor's going to do next. Well, what happened was there were no consequences over and over and over again, and you ended up having Khabib Nurmagomedov jump outside the cage. He was the one that did the really, really stupid thing if you want to look at Saturday night, Eric. He did, and again, uh, Jeff Hanish, Shanahan, I should say, from the Average Joe's podcast was bringing this up either on our personal page or the WOW show page, I'm not real sure, that Khabib had done this before in 2015 at World Series of Fighting. And oh, with so, Diaz, yeah. You know, um, it, he's not the boy scout that he's been built up to be prior to this and I think anyone who knows the history of where he's from and who he surrounds himself with would know that but yes he did the dumber thing perhaps one of the dumbest things and before we jump into that I want to say I was at the Tito Ortiz fight in Vegas when Ken Shamrock and him got into a fight and they pelted the octagon with stuff from the crowd and it's terrifying yeah and so I can't even imagine somebody imagine I should say somebody and Brendan Schaub brought this up I think uh, last week Wednesday or Tuesday with Joe Rogan that he wasn't gonna go because he didn't want anything to happen in the octagon spill out and then it did yeah, I mean, I get his reasoning, and there's a lot of talk about this, and I do want to set the record straight a couple of times because, I mean, the quote that we've got from Khabib Nurmagomedov after everything that happened, quote, you can't talk about religion, you can't talk about nation, guys, you can't talk about this stuff. This, for me, is very important, end quote. Here's the problem. You can. You can do all of that stuff. You can do it over and over and over again. And, you know, there's a lot of people going, well, Connor shouldn't have been racist. First off... Uh, he wasn't racist. I, nobody can tell me or show me any point he was racist. He called him a backward C-word uh, after he didn't want to take a swig of whiskey. Some people say that's because he's Muslim. Okay, cool. Uh, guys, that's still not racist. Muslim's not a race. If you want to say, well, he's making fun of his religion, I, I think that's a stretch, but whatever. A lot of people have known a lot of Muslim dudes that'll take a drink. So whatever you want to say, even if that was too far, there's a reason that Khabib Nurmagomedov was going to make $2 million in this fight. And it's not because both guys were sitting on each side of that podium being respectful and being all about the martial arts in their truest respect. It's because Conor McGregor talks shit. And he talks shit a lot, and he makes a lot of money for himself and whoever's on the other side of the cage. Now, Khabib's not going to make $2 million unless this fight gets promoted in the way it does. So that's not a free pass to get pissed and over some words. I, I said this on Facebook. Here's what I've learned about Khabib Nurmagomedov. Nobody ever gives anybody in Russia the sticks and stones speech. You know, you know that, <laughs> sticks and stones, those can break your bones. Words, they can never hurt you, guys. This is BS. This is crap as far as I'm concerned. And I get it. I'm from a different culture. I'm from the United States of America. And I get that, you know, I, I'm one of those dudes who can't maybe empathize all the way with what Khabib is going through and what's been pounded into his head and, you know, what he believes religiously. I can tell you one thing, whatever his beliefs are, if he doesn't believe that's how fighting should be, he should never accept a fight against Conor McGregor. Well, and uh, to make you feel better, you're going to get your American version here soon because if you want the racist version, you're going to get Colby and Woodley and they're going to do the exact same thing in hopes that they get that many eyeballs. 
And again, I think racism's a hard thing to throw around. That's why I really I yes, wanted to take that on. What earlier. I'm saying is they're gonna pit the African American wrestler versus the MAGA guy. That's how they're gonna build it. And you know, that's why I want to talk about the UFC's culpability in this. That's what they're gonna do. So I understand what you're saying and I certainly agree with you. And I'm not a guy that thinks words can ever hurt you that would allow what happened on Saturday to, to happen. But the UFC is not gonna learn from this and change, they're going to learn from this and promote Woodley and Covington. They're going to use what they have to to promote a fight. Again, this is a business at the end of the day. I I don't know if, if we get into a realm where I feel like things are getting racist, if I feel like things are getting overblown on certain ends, I would say something. I, look, this is certainly much darker. And the thing, the things brought up about people in his camp being terrorists and all of these things, yeah, this was pretty dark. But guess what? You signed up to fight Conor McGregor. Nobody can stand on that stage and pretend that they're innocent and not culpable in this. And nobody from Khabib's side can say that. I mean, these no, are guys... No, you know, you know what you signed up for, 100%. These are guys that were on Instagram after this brawl, this mess, some of these were guys were signed to fight in the UFC. They were on Instagram bragging about, I told you I'd catch Connor. I mean, and that's that's one of the most egregious things that we've got here. We've got a couple different things to break down. So first thing I want to ask Eric about this, and we're going to go through step by step here if we can. First thing that happens, obviously, is you've got uh, Connor's BJJ coach yelling at Khabib. Khabib then well, wait, jumps wait, over wait, the cage. Wait, hang on, hold on. You got to back up a little bit. Did right? I miss something? Well, I have not seen a close-up of this, but the story is floating around, and this part we've seen, the second part not so much, is that Khabib doesn't really let go, which we sort of knew was going to happen, gets separated from Herb Dean, and then spits on Connor. Okay, then, I, I haven't seen anything about spits on Connor. I have I've seen, seen a bunch of stories about that. So let's, I guess, like I said, I haven't seen it, but I've heard that. So that's sort of where this starts. And then now go ahead. Well, uh, allegedly, he's, he's definitely talking crap to Connor, which is fine. I mean, they all talk crap. Uh, you, you know what? You're, you're not going to get respect from everybody sure. in the cage, especially after what you've said. I mean, and I think Connor's the first guy who's going who's gonna to understand that. So there's a lot of talk back and forth. And at that point, Khabib jumps outside of the cage to attack Connor's corner, essentially. The guy who was talking crap, he said, you know, from all uh, from the reports I've heard, he basically said was gesturing to him, said, why don't you make me shut up or whatever the hell was going on there. Regardless, words were coming from outside the cage. And at that point, you see Khabib decide, I'm going to jump into the crowd. Bad decision, right, Eric? It's a horrible decision. And what's interesting is Dana said yesterday, he was on like 100 things, so I don't know which one, that they had put protocols in place to protect most of this from happening, but had no idea of the parkourness of Khabib, so they couldn't anticipate that. So Khabib jumps outside of the cage. You then see some of Khabib's corner and Connor go up toward the cage. At that point, you see Connor actually throw a punch towards one of Khabib's guys. And he ends up... Which is rumored to be Khabib's brother, is what I've heard. So you've got Connor throwing a punch at that point. And a giant fight happening outside the cage. All security is outside the cage at the point that everything starts to go crazy inside the cage. Connor gets calmed back down by people. And then is attacked by two of Nurmagomedov's corner guys. I think the most... Two to begin with, and then they move him to another corner where four others jump in. And I think the thing that's really bad about all this, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I, you know, even John Cavanaugh yesterday, he's like, you know what? I, I, he's, I'm not condoning it, but I can see where Khabib's coming from. What I can't conceive 
in this instance. And again, Connor threw a punch. Nobody's doubting that. But there was a melee starting to happen in the cage where he's on the side of a cage and all of a sudden there's another guy on the side of the cage. When you have a fighter who's getting attacked after he's fought, after he's been in an athletic contest, that's a big problem, Eric. That's a big problem. Oh, it's a huge problem. And, you know, I know that they are filing a case against Connor for the punch that he threw, and rightly so. But you have to keep these fighters safe at all times. And when, look, when Connor sees his corner being attacked, I'm not sure what you expect him to do. Again, none of well, this Well, again, that was okay. a guy from Khabib's camp right next to him. At that point, ostensibly, the cage is cut in half as far as who's in there and who's not. That's why there's Correct. two. There didn't used to be two doors on the cage, guys. I, I wonder if people can really go remember that far back. And one of the reasons they put doors on two sides was to stop having fighters interact with each other either between rounds or after rounds. Right, and so you've got these two entrances, the ring is cut off. It's horrible on all sorts of levels, and then, you know, it ends with things cooling down a little bit. Connor escorted out by about 20 police officers to get to the locker room. Khabib comes into the octagon. Dana explains to him, look, man, um, I'm not going to put the belt on you because we're going to have a riot. And Khabib goes, I am ready for this. And he said, that's great, but these people didn't pay to get hurt, so we're not going to do this. And then he gets escorted back to his locker room. And for the first time, I believe, in UFC history, the belt is held by Bruce Buffer and awarded to Khabib Nurmagomedov, who was not even in the building at the time. Uh, he's not in the main area. He's back in the yeah. locker room. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with Dana White's decision. I don't know if it would have been as bad as he was expecting, considering what, what had just gone on. Um, but he certainly had the right to worry about that because, I mean, he basically saw in front of him everything fall apart as badly as it ever has in a UFC. I mean, you can go back to the days of Strikeforce and Mayhem Miller and what happened with Diaz. Fine. Uh, but as far as UFC, they've never seen anything like this. And not only have they never seen anything like this, they've never in their history had as many eyeballs on a pay-per-view. Yep. As they did that night. I mean, we're talking two and a half million is the early number. It could be bigger. It, that's the biggest pay-per-view, guys, we've ever seen for a UFC. There have been some instances with more eyeballs back in the Ultimate Fighter days with Spike TV and Free TV, essentially. But as far as the pay-per-view, everybody who was watching this saw that happen. My wife was up at 2 in the morning to watch this fight. She's like, what the hell's happening? I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I have no right. idea. I don't know who's getting suspended. I don't know who's getting fined. I don't know what's going to happen. We've got a lot to take well, away it, from that, too. Yeah, well, and the $2.5 million, if that number stays, makes it the largest pay-per-view in American history. Well, it's not going to go lower. No, it's not. But it makes it the largest pay-per-view in American history that doesn't have a Mayweather attached to it, a mm -hmm. specific one named Floyd. So now we've got a situation where we're going to be dealing with a possibility of your current champion being suspended and then stripped. So what we've got here is obviously the Nevada State Athletic Commission is going to have to look at this situation. This was their regulated event, and there's a couple people wondering, like, why would they do something to him if nothing happened to Connor with the bus? Well, you have to kind of look at things and not get, make an excuse for, for Connor and what happened with the bus. But you have to look at things through the eyes of these commissions. Now, if the New York State Athletic Commission had decided to do something with Connor, then we would have a little bit of a precedent here. But they decided to let the legal process run through, which I don't necessarily disagree with. The difference here, though, is we've got Khabib in a sanctioned event in the state of Nevada where the governor's fleeing from the event, Eric. And they've got to look at this thing and decide if they want to mete out some punishment here. 
Well, and you know, the difference I would say, and you've laid out some of it, but one is the bus instance outside of the glass that hurts people is not Connor physically touching anyone. And I know you're going to get mad about like, that means you're saying it's okay. I'm not saying it's okay. But if Connor got on the bus, we might have a more apples to apples comparison. This is a human being at a sanctioned event leaping out of the octagon and assaulting another human being while three other humans jump into the octagon and assault the fighter that fighter just beat at a sanctioned event, the largest pay-per-view in UFC history, they need to do something. Now, before you kind of lay out what they could do, I'm gonna say right from the jump off, the UFC is gonna do zero things. They're not gonna do anything to Khabib. Well, I mean, one thing that the UFC might have to do, and this is gonna be my question for you, how long can they let their champion be suspended? Well, they have said if it's over a year, they're going to have to strip it. But, you know, the rumors I had saw, I would seen yesterday was it could be six months. If it's six months, it doesn't matter because if, you know, Kavanaugh's timeline from Rogan is correct, they're not planning on doing anything till at the very earliest March and at the um, more, more ideal July. So that's going to be fine. Do you think, I guess I guess Kavanaugh's timeline only matters if you believe that Khabib's next fight is going to be Conor McGregor? Oh, yeah. Tony Ferguson is a bridesmaid in this for sure. I don't know if I necessarily believe that at this point because Dana was adamant, adamant months ago he was never going to book this fight again. And, only, and hearing Dana say now, well, I guess these guys are going to make it impossible to book around him. That's a that's a 180 from what Dana was saying just a couple months ago, which makes me think he's very close to maybe making that fight happen, which, again, I believe, again, if Khabib is back within six months, fine. I think that's a much better route for not only the UFC to go, but for Connor's uh, best business practices to decide to go in there and take a different fight. The UFC basically says, look, you lost to this guy. You lost to him handily cool you want another fight we'd love to have you back but we're going to make this fight first because what you one thing you've got and this is a business ladies and gentlemen one thing you've got after all of this mess is Khabib now has a name if Khabib goes in there <laughs> right and beats right. Connor the way he does he's the guy that beat Connor cool that's fine but now you've got the guy that basically beat Connor McGregor and then tried to beat up his entire team that guy's going to garner some interest now and I believe you could put Khabib in there with Tony Ferguson and draw a decent amount Sorry, as these buses go by. Yes, um, he certainly made a name, and that's why when you say things like, Dana said he'd never book this, and now he says he's going to book around it. He also said yesterday in the same interview, I'm disgusted and sickened by what happened. Oh, by the way, two and a half million pay-per-view buys, right? So I, I think the money is going to grab everybody's attention. Now, for a fight fan, I think the best case scenario would be Khabib Tony because like I was telling you via text for the last two days I, I think that that Tony that showed up and beat Pettis is terrifying and I'm super interested in seeing that fight whether or not it will happen I don't know um, because you will have to as Kavanaugh was saying last night on Rogan and we had talked about earlier you will have to have something for Connor that's a payday right because he's not going to take um, even though like the Poirier is a great idea. Justin Gaethje is probably a great idea, but I don't think any of those things are going to happen. I think you're going to end up with something big in order to be a payday because it's just going to be too hard to walk away from that money. 
I think Conor McGregor, though, is a guy who can make his own payday because I think you can have Conor McGregor in his return fight do a lot of money. I really think you can. I think the UFC could pay him more. I mean, remember, they spent $5 million on the main event of this fight, and that's disclosed. And well, a lot of it's still in Vegas right, right now as right. they've held some purses. But the UFC spent $5 million on this main event. And look, Khabib is a monster, and he beat Conor McGregor, and he beat the hell out of him. It was dominant. Khabib carried zero of the water in this damn near. Carried near, yeah, oh, nearly zero of the water I mean, like, in a $5 million main event. And his best moment was the final press conference when he got up and left. That was the only water he really carried in all of this and so to go back your, to your point a half hour ago like you knew what you're getting and if you want to make your two million dollars you got to let him yap his face off whether or not you like it and I think it was Luke Thomas who said it so astutely like the point of the revenge in air quotes happens in the cage and then it's done all this other stuff is just insanity. Well, and the other thing, too, that Dana White said, which I agree 100% with, is if, I, and I think you and I can kind of see through some of it uh, a little more because, you know, we're a little bit smarter uh, as the fan base goes. We watch a little more of this than your casual fan. But if you're a casual, super casual Connor fan, which, guys, there are a lot of, there are probably more casual Connor fans than there are actual UFC fans. Let's not forget that. If you're a casual Connor fan, you see your guy in there get owned, and then... If Khabib walks over, shakes his hand, picks him up, and hugs him, you can't talk crap about Khabib. But now all of a sudden, as Michael Bisping pointed out on Fight Night, you reset the whole paradigm, and all of a sudden, Connor's the victim again. Because you jumped out, you attacked people, your team attacked. I mean, Jesus Christ, Eric, a guy got attacked in the cage after he fought. Yeah. I mean, come yeah. on. And, you know, and that's that's got to be the place where safety is paramount because he, he was just choked unconscious. If he had just been knocked out and then gets jumped from behind, and I don't remember which one of the guys who hit Well, he him wasn't choked unconscious, his, but regardless of how the fight ends. No, but, like, my point being is had he been knocked out and then gets jumped from behind and takes a couple unnecessarily punches to the head, like, you're not protecting these guys. And Lord knows how they even got in the octagon behind him when Dana was saying that they had stuff in place. But at that point, well, I think all of the, security the, was outside the cage. They all right. barreled out of yeah, the door yeah. next to Connor. I mean, if you if you look at the tape, you know where everybody went. It was almost like a distraction technique. Right, which is you know, which is the interesting thing about this case is that if they can prove that this was premeditated, this is going to get ugly for that team ugly. Well, th this team is already going to have problems. There's a couple different issues. Uh, obviously talking about the NSAC suspension. I think anybody other than Khabib is going to probably for sure lose their visa and not be able to work here again. I, it's going to be a tough situation uh, for these guys to work again because first off, they're not going to have a UFC contract and they're not going to have the muscle of the UFC behind them because Dana White has said straight up, none of these guys that jumped in the cage will work for the UFC again. So you've already got an issue there. Even if like Bellator or World Series of Fighting wanted to hire them, are they really going to go to bat for these dudes that did this that jumped in a cage afterwards? They're not bringing the money to that Khabib is to the table. Secondly, not even close. And most people don't even know who they are. Yeah. And secondly, here's the thing, Eric. How much trouble do you think Khabib is going to have? It's not going to be it's not going to be easy for him to get his work visa again. It's not going to be filling out the paperwork like it was last time. If he's sanctioned in a certain way by the NSAC and at any point anybody decides to he's lucky he jumped into a group of fighters. I'll tell you that because if he had landed anywhere near the actual crowd, 
you would have a big, big legal issue right now. He's lucky. I mean, I think Connor and his team kind of all blew it off like, okay, this happened, whatever. We're going to move along with our day, and we're not pressing charges. He lands anywhere near anybody, like on the production team or in the crowd. This is a different story. This is a guy in jail story right now. Well, and let's not forget that uh, Tuesday of last week, the report came out that Khabib's dad didn't get a visa to come over. So there's already a reason. There's why already issues with this, that camp. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to have a hard time getting over here. But again, he might have the muscle of the UFC to help. The rest of those guys, to your point, are going to get cut. But if they prove that the guys that jumped in the octagon, that that was part of the quote unquote plan and those idiots went on Instagram. So if there's a plan, someone's going to figure it out. I mean, I don't know how you walk back from this thing. And I don't know if you're the UFC. I mean, you've got a history of not doing anything. Uh, I don't know how you not do anything when they have this plan. Like we know we're going to beat him. And when we beat him, this is what we do next. I mean, Jesus, I don't know what you do with that. You mean if you find out Khabib is involved as well? Correct. I mean, obviously he'd be involved in it because it was, I mean, I don't know that the Dylan Dennis thing was planned or maybe it was, but if the guys assaulting Connor was a planned retaliation to make do on the mean words he said to them, um, I, I think you're going to have a problem figuring out how to make that stick. And I, I don't think it's unfair to say that with two and a half million people buying that pay-per-view, you walked the sport back a good 12 years on Saturday night. I, I think that's a little bit much. I do. Uh, I'll let you have it. I don't think you walked it back that much. I, I do think you've got a situation where you look at the guy specifically. You walk it back if you see this kind of thing happen over and over again. Uh, right now we're seeing basically the culmination of what's been going on, going back to Artem, going back to the bus, going to the press conferences, and now what happens here. The other situation you've got to look right, at here is... Hang on, hang on, hold on, hold on, hang on. Like, I, I hear you to the person who buys every pay-per-view, but let's not forget, this is a 700% increase in audience for the entire of 2018. Those people have a perception of this sport now that isn't true, that does walk it back a decade for them to say, see, I told you this is what it's about. The fight before, there's blood all over the place. A guy breaks his hand. Yeah, and but, then in the main event, but you still got two million leaving. people watching Connor's fights. And this, as much as Connor talked crap, this hasn't happened in Connor's fights. So you can talk about 400%, 700%, however much you want to say over a DC Stipe fight. But as far as Connor fights go, I mean, yeah, it was a, it was a nice bump. It was big. You might be 200, 300,000 more, but it's not like all these people haven't seen a fight before. Okay, but his biggest fight, the rematch with Diaz, was only 1-7. So we're talking another million humans, maybe. Possibly. It's not a decent bump. It's a huge bump. I, I think walking back a decade is extreme. That's all I'll say Look, here. Look, I mean, it's walking back to like 1931 at least. Okay, at least. fair enough. But the other thing, too, is I think I think you've got a real problem if you start looking at motivation here. And this is talking about Khabib getting back in the country. I don't know about you, Eric, but my guess is the U.S. government doesn't take things well when you— React violently to people talking about your religion and you're a Muslim. Uh, no, that's probably pretty high on the things that they don't. I'm not saying the dude's well a terrorist, but I'm saying, you know, he's in the ballpark with this type of behavior. Like, how dare you talk about my religion? I'm going to leap into the crowd and attack somebody. That's essentially what he, he said after the fight. You don't talk about my religion. I didn't hear a lot of talk about his religion. I feel like he, there was well, a, I think he was playing like I a think victim. He's referring to the the backward c word comment because he wouldn't take a drink. Okay, so one one comment. 
and you're attacking people. Uh, I don't think that plays well. It was a very hurtful well. comment. It was very, very hurtful. hurtful. Mean words. Who knew we could beat the Russians with mean words? We went through a whole Cold War building all these bombs, and if we would have just had some pointed words, we could have just out-jousted them uh, basically via telegram. So do you think, I mean, I've seen this discussed in the last two days, like, do you think there should be some discussion about things that are on or off limits when it comes to fight promotion? Did Connor go too far, in your opinion? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was America. It's not. Uh, so <laughs> since it isn't. Um, it is America. No, I know. That fight was in Vegas. The, I'm, I'm obviously kidding. But... The fact that there were consequences, do you think that there should be a larger discussion about what is and is not on the table? I think Dana White has pretty much made his comments on that. I think unless you see something that's overtly racist, I don't think you're going to see any anybody in the UFC say you can't say mean words. That's part of the game that helps sell the fights. There's a reason that someday maybe, you know, Khabib is going to get... 20% of that purse he should have gotten of $2 million. Uh, <laughs> you can't take mean words out of the game. Oh, he shouldn't talk about that because everybody's line is different. How about the line B? Hey, he's going to say a lot of shit about you. You want to beat him up at the end of this? You've got the chance inside the octagon. Well, I mean, bro, like, Chael Sonnen destroyed Silva's family. Like, he said some horrific His stuff. His country. He said he talked about every Brazilian in the continent. Horrific. Terrible stuff. And if you want and, to talk you know, about he, something that, I, and again, I'm not going to say at all, it's racist. A lot of people contended, though, at the time, Chow was being racist. I don't believe he was. I'm saying I don't believe that. But if you want to contend that something's racist or not, look at that situation. And then after that fight, what happened, Eric? Well, Anderson Silva walked over with his belt, laid down and essentially thanked him for the fight and gave him a hug and then invited him to a barbecue. Okay. So, I mean, that's an interesting situation that you've got, I get it, not every fighter has to respect somebody like that, but if you're going to talk about this, you know, Anderson knows too. Remember before before he fought Chow, we talked about this on the podcast, he was just kind of floating around, man. Nobody was really interested in his fights. No, they had the Damian Maya thing on their brain for a long time, and Chael ostensibly relaunched that career with the trash talking because in this particular case, well, I think in both cases, right? Because Khabib does speak English, but not to the extent that Connor does, right? Right. And the same with Anderson Silva. Anderson can speak English, but not like that. And so there's no way he could have kept up with Chael. And Chael dragged uh, all the water on behalf of both men and made both men a lot of money. And I think Anderson knew that. And they had, I, I think at the time, one of the most fun high-tensity fights you had seen in a long, long time that ends with this trying... I mean, it's poetic in the same way that I think the Khabib performance was poetic if you really were that marred by his words. But the endings are two totally different things. The one ending, you invite him over to your house and go, hey, man, we should have a meal. The other one, you're like, I'm going to attack everybody in the octagon and then out of the octagon and then perhaps in the hallway, right? Is that good with everybody? Yeah, it's it's not a great look. Let's uh, quickly jump to uh, Khabib's possible next opponent, or maybe who knows? This will be for the uh, next interim lightweight championship, uh, and that's uh, Tony Ferguson—a very dominant win. Oh. And I was blown away by the fact I couldn't believe it. And I, I heard this mentioned a couple different times when everybody's talking about the fact that uh, he turned down physical 
therapy after his surgery just went to the gym. It's like, I'm going to work on my knee the, the, the way I know how. That's insane, Eric. He, there's Look, he is insane in all of the right ways, right? I mean, we talked about it last week. This is a guy who, for one of his camps for his fight, didn't really go to a gym. He built a gym. That was how he trained for, I don't remember which one, it was three fights back. But, like, that's vintage Ferguson. But the, what I was so impressed by is, first of all, those two just came to have a good time. And I think it showed in every minute that we got. Second, before we get to more of the fight, in no, I mean, in no uncertain terms, Duke Rufus made the right call. There was no reason to go out there and take more damage. And the only thing I'm sad about on Saturday night is that we don't get to see this run back immediately because I think Tony deserves the title fight finally. But if this was at a different time, at a different point in the organization, I would love to see this one run back. Well, I mean, you could see this one run back in six months, depending on what we've got, Eric. Sure, but... If that's if everything everything being equal and for anything, which is also a possibility in all of this insanity, that it should be Khabib and Tony next. That's really what should happen if the universe is holding true. The universe hasn't liked this fight, though. I mean, if you're if you're hoping for nope. the universe, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe uh, maybe uh, Khabib can throw out some of the prayers to that whatever God he prays to uh, uh, that he gets pissed about his religion because uh, we haven't been able to make this fight happen. So if you're waiting for the universe to get on board, I don't know if that train's ever going to leave the station. Well, that, that universe should watch that fight with Pettis and go, yeah, we should probably see that one. That's, that's a good one we should check out. All right, uh, Eric, I think it's time to wrap up because my balls is hot. Okay. <laughs> you're not even going to give him a shout-out? You're just going to steal his line? I'm a, okay. Everybody knows. Dude's got a million more Instagram followers than he did Saturday night. That's your real winner of the night, people. Derek the Beast Lewis and his hot balls. Oh, man. Well, and, and interestingly enough, I know I was texting with you. Uh, his opponent is a Khabib teammate. So, yeah, that. Yeah. Well, his opponent outclassed him all day. Just he's the only guy on Khabib's team who apparently didn't really want to fight that night. <laughs> right, for sure. Uh, and real quickly before we go, I do want to say um, this weekend you've got the uh, – you will have a finalist for the Bellator Heavyweight Tournament, and you've got Mitrione and Bader on Friday night and Chael and Fedor on Saturday night. So real quickly before we go, Ken, like what are your thoughts on those two fights and who are you picking to be in the finals on Sunday morning? I like Ryan Bader a lot, and I probably think that Chael Sonnen is going to find a way to win. But I wouldn't be surprised if Fedor wins. Nice. I like Running it. by Khabib. <laughs> I don't think... I think Putin's that their manager. Much... Putin's their manager. Yes. I think your Stone Cold lock of the week is that Khabib will not be at either one of these fights. I think that could be a Stone Cold lock of the or week. Or will he? Yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you want to wrap it from your bus terminal, Eric? Uh, yeah, right. I, it's been it's been fun to try and do this in this bus terminal, waterfall, urinal, babysitting universe that I'm currently hanging out in. But uh, Eric, yeah, we live from that. the uh, daycare center inside the Grand Canyon the, bus the depot. Daycare center that's at the Grand Canyon next to a bus stop. I am Eric Culkin. That is Ken Evans, and this is Way of the Warrior.